1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Now the young man Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel, and he said, Here I am, and ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. And the Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time, and he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the young man. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant hears. Lord, I thank you for your word, and I thank you that you speak to us. And I pray that you would speak through your servant Justin now. Lord, that you would soften our hearts to hear from you this morning. Amen. Well, good morning and uh, welcome to Anthem Church. Um, we're so glad that you have decided to join us here on this Labor Day weekend 2016. Uh, we've just finished a sermon series that was entitled The Charge. Um, rest assured, I am not starting a new sermon series, neither am I adding to the one that we just finished. That should be good. But the one I'm going to be uh, kind of talking to you about, you, you heard the you heard the verses read to you right then, but I just entitled it, it and it, it's, it's time to hear from the Lord today. It's time to hear from the Lord today. And my hope is to really show you that God speaks to each and every one of us. He does. He speaks to every one of us. So no matter how big or how small the task is, God is always telling us or prompting us to do something. So this is the question that I really want you to wrestle with this entire morning. And if you ever, you know, you just think about this. Have you heard from God lately? Have you heard God talking to you recently? That's the question I want you to, to just ponder as, as we're going through this morning. Um, I heard a recent story, and I thought it was a good example of, you know, uh, when it comes to listening, you know, are we really listening to when God speaks? And it, and it just goes something like this. Um, it was back in the late 1800s, and telegraph was the fastest way of method of long-distance communication. No more, I mean, this was before cell, cell phones, all you young kids. Um, you know, this was way back when, and there was, you know, a young man who was, he just, he needed a job, so he saw this ad in the newspaper uh, for, to go in, it was, it was for a Morse code operator, somebody, you know, who knows how to, to you know, uh, get on the, the uh, telegraph and how to figure that out. And so he, he applied to it, he went in, uh, and he walked into this big office building. And in this big office building, it was on, you know, like the third story, it was very busy, it was very loud, 
and he walked into the office, and still there were, there, it was still, you could still hear a lot of loudness going on around him, and you could hear a tele, telegraph going off in the background. So he walks up to the reception desk, and there's just this little note. It says, fill it out, leave it, he, uh, you know, take it with you, and when you're called, come back in, and, and you know, you'll be interviewed for the job. So that's what he did. He came in, he, he took it, and was sat down, started filling it out. And there were, there were uh, many other, you know, people in the room, you know, waiting for that same call to come into the back. Um, they were all engaged in conversation, you know, just talking to one another. Some of them were going over their notes just to, you know, make sure they got everything right when they would be called back. And after a few minutes, the young man, he just stood up, he crossed the room, and he walked right into the office. All the other Africans started looking around, pondering, like, hey, what in the world is going on? Did, did he have to go to the bathroom? What's going on? And they were just muttering about, about, about themselves, like, what is this guy doing? Um, and so they all thought he made a mistake. And he just, like, well, I guess he wanted to go to the exit and went out the wrong way. But within a few minutes, the guy, uh, the, the, the employer, escorted the man out, you know, had his arm around his shoulder, and he, 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 then he spoke to the other people that were in the room. He said, gentlemen, thank you all very much for coming in, but I have just filled the position. And that really got all the applicants really up in an uproar. They were like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. That guy just walked in. We've been here for such a long time. I don't understand. Like, you didn't even call us back or anything. And he's like, wait a second. Um, in all this time, that you've been sitting here, there's been a telegraph in the back that's just been signaling the same thing. And all it said was, if you understand this message, come in for the job is yours. None of you heard it, but this guy did. So I hired him. And so I know it's not like the most f funny story, but it is like so true of us today. There is the, the busyness of life and just you know, just out in the world, it is just full of busy, busyness and chatter, just like that office. And just like in this st story, God is always trying to communicate his message to us. And the thing is, is we're so distracted, we don't understand when he is, when he is speaking to us, and we can't really hear what he is saying to us. So that begs that question of us, what about us? Are we tuned in to what God is trying to communicate to us or tell us to do or whatever it is? Do we even hear him when he is speaking to us? And so my plan is to answer all those questions and maybe a few this morning as we go through 1 Samuel um, chapter 3. Um, so if you would, go ahead, turn to 1 Samuel. They will be on the board um, at a few times, I'm going to go quicker than usual, so I'm just going to hit blurb spot, so it might be good to have it open for you. Um, but um, if you're there, uh, there, are, there are Bibles around you. Um, I don't know why I said that, but, but there are there. So, all right, all right. First Samuel um, chapter 3, let's open up. I'm just going to start, I'm going to reread the first three verses um, that Jamie so kindly did earlier for us. Now the young man Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and then I'll stop there, all right? 
It's important that in any store, we, we always get a little bit of the context of what is going on. And even in these little three verses, there are some big nuggets that we need to pull out to understand, hey, you know, when, when God talks to Eli or talks to Samuel, there's, there's some premise behind it. First, who is Samuel and what does it even mean that he was ministering to the Lord? Well, let's go back. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a small Cliff's Notes version of how Samuel even came onto the scene and how, why he is actually growing up with Eli, because Eli is not his father. Um, uh, so and you guys can all read this. This is actually in first, the, the, the first chapter of Samuel. Um, uh, and in it, it, it just it talks about you know, how God was very good to, um, to, to um, you know, I'm getting my words confused, but to Samuel's mom. He, uh, she was barren for such a very long time, um, and she couldn't have kids. But she kept praying and kept praying, and all of a sudden the Lord rewarded her with such goodness through a son. But when she did, when, when he granted her re that request, she in turn dedicated him to the service of the Lord for the rest of his life. So not only, you know, did she have a son, but she was giving her son up. Um, kind of shows a, a lot of, you know, uh, a servant heart in, in her mind. So when she, was, when she weaned him um, from her and he was a little boy, she took him to Eli, and now Eli is raising him in the service of the Lord. That means at the temple of God. And so when it says that he was ministering to the Lord, that really means that he was being taught all of God's statutes. He was being taught the law. He was being taught, in, you know, what he should be doing, this and that. And, you know, basically, in, in layman's terms, he was going to school, all right? Um, it was the first, you know, it was a season of learning for him under, under Eli. And for those of you who are the, the young ones or even the older ones in the class, and I've mentioned this before, but... If, if you are going to be, you know, studying God's Word, that means you have to know at great length, in detail, the first five books of the Bible, if not memorizing the whole first five books of the Bible. I mean, that's a lot. No pressure to you young kids, right? And I also got to tell you that Samuel was only 12 years old, all right? Now, I got an, a, a studio audience participant here, but uh, Cooper, stand up if you would, Cooper, so if you look at Cooper, and I've already asked him to stand up, so he's not, he's not a nervous wreck. If you look at Cooper, this is, what, this is kind of what Samuel will look like. Thank you, bud. Um, he was only 12 years old at this point. In verse 1, it, it goes on to say that the word of the, the, the Lord was rare in those days because there was no frequent vision. It wasn't that God wasn't speaking to the people at the time. It was because the people weren't listening for God. I mean, it had gotten even so bad that Eli's sons, these are, these are Eli's actual sons, the two that, are being, that have been brought up in the temple that know all of what God has commanded them to do, and they were supposed to be next in line to be the priest of Israel. Guess what they were doing? They were practicing unspeakable acts. Now, I'm not going to go in and talk to you about what those are, but you can read about it in verse 2 because it calls them worthless men. And I think it comes back to the fact that was in the verse it said there was no vision. They had no plan. They had no expectations. They had no hope. They had no direction. The truth was absent from their daily living. 
And when God's people don't have vision, we tend to just stop listening when, do, when God is talking. I think it's true for back then, and I think it's also true of us today. But when God speaks, he speaks in two distinct truths. One, he will never contradict his word. And number two, he will always give glory to his name. Um, the example that I have is, is from my personal life, um, and it really has to do with this church. Uh, three years ago, I stood with six other families when we decided that, you know, we were going to um, start Anthem Church. Um, the Lord had planted into Pastor Rick this God-sized vision to fill Andrew in the world with love-filled, faith-filled, hope-filled followers of Jesus. And it really was that vision that made it clear for Rose and myself that we needed to leave our house in Holly Springs. We, and, and Rose was six months pregnant at the time with our little boy, Asher. Um, and we needed to move here to Andrew. Who does that, right? Who does that? But we wanted to be part of a God-sized movement here in Andrew, North Carolina. We saw the God-sized vision and we, we wanted to claim it because, you know, when we don't, sometimes we end up chasing after what we want or what we feel is right. But when we see a God-sized vision, we chase after that. We put our, our thoughts, our, our plans on hold. Proverbs uh, 29, 18, it says this. It says, where there is no vision, people will perish. If we don't listen to God speaking, we are susceptible to falling into sin. And nothing good happens when we fall into sin. We need God-sized vision to stay on task when the Lord is speaking to us. Um, the people from the story, they had lost their way. They, they just weren't listening. And when we read that the word of the, the Lord was rare, it only means that they replaced what God was speaking to them with something else. Just like that story I shared about the telegraph, they couldn't hear him. They couldn't hear, hear him talking in the background. So uh, that's why that it's important for, as God's people, that we hear from the Lord because we need to stay on task. And, and actually, we need to bring glory to his name. That's, that's what we've been called to do. So like I said, we need to hear from God, and hopefully it's today. Um, so I found four key elements or pr key principles to really hear when God is speaking to us. All right? You ready for the four? Yeah! Yeah, we're excited. Yeah, give us four. No, no, I don't want God to talk to me just yet. Wait. All right, well, here, just write them down. You can meditate on them later, okay? All right, the first thing that we need to know is this, that we need to be in a good place to hear God when he is speaking to us. All right? Look at verse 3 again when it says, The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel, this is very important, was lying in the temple of the Lord where the ark was. Now, when it says that Samuel was lying where the ark of the covenant was, this was in the temple of God Almighty, like the place where he would come down and visit with his people. And the specific spot that he would come down and meet with his people was right there on top of the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, Exodus 25, 22, uh, the Lord was speaking to Moses when he said this. He said, there I will meet you, 
And from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim that are on the ark of the testimony, I will speak with you about all that I give you in commandment for the people of Israel. God designated this place right here, the ark, where he would come down and talk to his people personally. That's what it is. So if you want to hear from God, we need to be where God is, wouldn't you say? All right, so now I'm going to pry and, you know, ask a few questions. Do we come to church consistently? Whether it's Anthem Church or wherever you call church your home, I mean, are we there? Are we consistently going there? In our sanctuary here, I mean, this is a place where we come and get biblical teaching and we get exposure to what God is trying to tell us through his word. Are you taking the time to listen? Are you meditating on it? Are you taking notes? Are you jotting stuff down that, you know, we need to hear from the Lord? Are we then in turn putting it into practice? Are we, are we living it out? Like Pastor Rick says, are we fleshing it out? That isn't the only place we hear from God is right in, these, in this little room. But another place that we hear is our home, to, our home groups. We call them A-teams. Uh, A-team is where we come together as individuals. We open up scripture. We read it. We try to understand it. We try to ask questions about it. And then we apply it to our lives. God talks to us in those times. So do we show up expecting to hear from him when we get there? That's, that's that continuing question that I've been asking this morning. Speaking of small groups, it was, um, it was, I, was I was in a, a Wednesday night small group, 18. I really loved it. Um, but it was there that I heard the, the Lord, you know, speak or press upon me that, you know, I needed to open up, a, a, you know, an A-team on Sunday mornings. And, you know, I was like, okay, let's do it. And here's the crazy thing. He had actually been talking to my wife, Rose, and implanting in her the exact same thing that what I was thinking. Like, I need to, we need to do something here. Uh, I, I had heard, I mean, these, these are just little things that I've kind of put together as like puzzle pieces, but I heard that there were some people that just don't like to drive at night, all right? And that, you know, we're, and some people are coming from long distances. So maybe if we just meet on a Sunday morning, that will give them an opportunity to be a part of the home group. Uh, and so that's what we did. We opened up an A-team here on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. Uh, and let me tell you, it was hard at first. I mean, a lot of you don't know what all goes into it, but you know, number one, I, we're the only two with re really young kids. I mean, I'm talking about a, uh, you know, a almost 18-month-old and a going-on three-year-old. Uh, three I mean, we, we needed child care. And, you know, having a home group, you know, you have to have somebody. So, I mean, that, those are tough things. And when we started out, we started out with two faithful people. One of them is here today. I'm not going to name names, Anne. Uh, but, you know, we, we, I'm, glad that, I'm, glad that, I'm glad that they, they helped start it. And, you know, it, it, it grew to about three or four. And then there were some weeks that you know, no one showed up. And those were challenging times. But I knew in my heart of hearts, God had, he had talked to me and said, hey, you need to do it. So we kept consistently coming, being here. On, on, on Sunday mornings to, to just be here for when and, and now I can just see how, you know, God was telling us what he was telling us because we've seen seven or eight just regular attenders 
you know, coming and being in that study group. Now, nobody showed up today, but that's okay. I gave them permission. I was preaching, so I, I told them not to come today. So that's, um, but, but I love meeting, I love meeting with this group. They're, they're hungry for God's truth. They want to hear from him. They want them to talk to him. And let me clarify something. God just doesn't meet us like here in these four walls or in, you know, a, a room or at a home, you know, when you're meeting together. God can be in anywhere at any place. But the one thing about these places when you come, usually your ears are already tuning in to what God hears. Because outside in the outside world, there's always those distractions that kind of grab our attention and take us away. And it's easier uh, for us to hear the Lord. We're in a place where, you know, you're not talking, right? So are we near to God? Where can we hear from him when he speaks? God always wants us to be in a place that we can hear from him. The second principle that I kind of got as I was going through these scriptures is that God pursues us to make sure that we know that that he is speaking. Look again at your scripture. How many times, how many times did, did, did he call out to Samuel? All right, verse one, it says, the Lord called Samuel. Then again, in verse six, it says, the Lord called Samuel again. In verse eight, it says, then the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And as before, in verse 10, it says, the Lord came and stood calling as the same other times, Samuel, Samuel. Most of the time that when we think that we're getting closer to God, that he is going to ask us to do something that, you know, is just out of our comfort zones that we don't want to do. And many times when that happens, us as Christians, we start to turn our listening ears off. Um, I work in a daycare, so I'm going to use those type type of things. Um, we kind of, we settle into our own comfort zones. We go back to what we know best, and that's the things that we know how to do that's really good to us. Um, and think about this. Nobody grows up, you know, saying, hey, I want to be a missionary in Haiti. Do they? Really? Have you been down there? Nobody says that, all right? And, and yes, that might, that might be funny, but think about it. Think about this, that, you know, I still, don't, I still don't want to be a missionary down in Haiti. But when I have that type of mentality, man, I've, I've lost focus on what God is trying to speak to me. I'm, I'm already shutting off my ears to what he is pursuing in me. Rest assured that even though that I stop listening, God is still pursuing me. He is still coming after me again and again. And it's, just think about it. How many times did he go after Samuel? How many times did he, he speak to Samuel just in this little time frame? This is just one night, all right? He, he went after him, not just one, not just two, three, four. I mean, he went after him four times, but think about it for us. He doesn't stop there. He pursues us as long as it takes. As long as we have our listening ears turned off, He's going to continue to come after us. And even when you turn him on, he's still going to pursue you to do more and more. 
And when he speaks, it's up to us to listen. It's up to us to, to take what he says to us and then respond. Let me give you a, a, a story. It's kind of my testimony of my life um, when I became a Christian. I, was, I became a Christian at an early age of 13. Um, my parents who were in the room, they, they helped lead me into that relationship with, with Jesus Christ. And I am thankful to them eternally for that. And as a teen, I, you know, I did all those things. I was, I was in youth group. I went to the camps. I did the whole nine yards. And then all of a sudden, I started to get off track. Um, there, was, there was this one retreat that I really wanted to go on. It was to the Bahamas. And I was like, you know, the Lord is, you know, I, I had heard that I had passed the interview. And I was so pumped and excited about going. I was, woo! And all of a sudden, I was denied going on that trip. And man, that hurt. I mean, to the bottom of my heart. And it had all to do with my diabetes. Um, I'm diabetic. I've, when I've preached before, I've told you how much I hate diabetes. I would wish that on nobody. Um, but my diabetes got in the way, and I couldn't. But I, in, instead of moving on, I, I got mad at God. Um, I strayed from him. I was... Um, I know he was probably speaking to me, but I wasn't listening. I, I could be further from the, the truth than if it knocked me in the head. Um, but later, uh, you know, later on that year, I, I went off to college. And I didn't want anything to do with God. You could find me anywhere but in a church. I was out tailgating with my friends. I was maybe hitting up the local bar scene. I was going to the dance clubs. <laughs> Oh, sorry, I, reminiscent of my, my glory days. Um, I was running and I was hiding from God. Um, but here's the thing, you can't outrun God. You can't. And I came to that point where I guess my, my tuning got a little better. And I turned my attention back to him. And he brought me back into church. And he made me stop and realize what the life that I really should be leading towards him. He began speaking to my heart. And, and I responded by reading his word more and more. And not only that, you know, I, I started serving, not knowing what I was doing. I was at Apex Baptist, and I just said, hey, put me in a room. And I was put in a room with toddlers. And then within a year, I got boosted up to four-year-olds. And, you know, I, after that, you know, I, I was, you know, teaching in various spots, you know, young adults, uh, and the thing is, is, is God kept pursuing me. He kept pursuing me and moving me further down the line, down the line, so much so that, you know, a little bit later, I wasn't just attending youth camp. I was help in um, planning the youth camp. I was teaching the youth. I was coaching upward basketball. I was in a Bible study where I was leading, you know, adults in a Bible study. I mean, God, taking me from where I was to, you know, to there, God, that's God pursuing me. He's, he kept on pushing me further and further. And all of these things I got to do because God never quit on me. He wanted me to do something, to go on to the next thing and to go on to the next thing. He kept pursuing me to do something. And then I, 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 I just tarred, started to realize and understand what it meant, like when Samuel said, here I am. I'm, I'm really, I'm nothing. I'm not, you know, any, anything important, but God says that I am, and this is the purpose that he had for me. 
How many of you have not said those words? Here I am, Lord. Cool thing is, I don't care if you haven't. He's not through with you yet. He is still pursuing us. He's still pursuing us to do greater things than what we can ever imagine. The question is, are we listening? The good news is that God will never stop pursuing you or me. He's going to continue on. The third thing that I, I pulled out from this Samuel text is that we need good advice from Christian mentors in our life. Do you know somebody that is a Bible-believing man or woman in your life? Then you know somebody that God has spoken to. In our story, three straight times, Samuel came to Eli, and he kept supposing that it was him calling in the middle of the night. But it wasn't until that third time that it said that Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the young man. And it was Eli that gave Samuel the insight of what to do next. And you know why? Because Eli was somebody who knew the Lord. He knew a thing or two about talking with the Lord. He had been his priest for a very long time. So do you surround yourself with those type of people that know God intimately, that know that he has spoken to them and is leading them to do certain things? I've already said it already, but I'll say it again. You know, God speaks, you know, to us. And um, when, when I'm in my A-team or something like that, I'm surrounding myself with people that want to hear from God or have heard from God because it doesn't matter where you are in your, in your walk with Jesus. You always have something to, to, to provide for the group. And it's just so cool uh, to just to see that growth and transformation take place. We truly need to surround ourselves with people that, that we know and love God and know what it is that he wants to do. He wants us to continue that, you know, passing it on. Think about this. I am a child of my parents. They passed that faith on to me, and it was up to me to learn it, and now I'm trying to pass that on to my little son. And I thought it was the neatest thing that um, he, had a, he had some homework from school, and he said, you know, and it said on this, who do you love? And the first person that he, I mean, he can't write, of course, my wife was writing it all down, but the first, the first thing he said was Jesus. And then he said mommy, of course, and then daddy, and then he scrolled through and he left his sister last, but, you know, that's okay. He, he got it right. He got Jesus. He got it right. And that's, that's how we grow. That's how we learn. I mean, we, we teach into others, and we tell them, you know, what to do. That's called discipleship. And we can't do that just sitting at home, you know, watching TV or whatever we do. If, if we stay sitting on the couch, then we can't be of what God is speaking us into what he's doing. I mean, think of it here. Um, this, we, local bodies of church were established so that we could get plugged into what God is doing in our lives or for us. And each church has a specific way of how they are trying to get, you know, people to understand and to, to come into God's glory. That's the reason God established, if you, if you um, I, think it's in, um, I think it's in Philippians, I could be wrong on that, but God established pastors and elders of the church 
They are mentors that we go to for good advice. And in my earlier um, example, it wasn't until I got into church that I started to realize that I wasn't living for God. Well, when I got into church, I also got into this um, Bible study group called Bible Study Fellowship. BSF, for, the, for those who know what I'm talking about. And it was there that God used some other Christian men and women um, to really focus my perspective, to, to give me the right way of living for God. I still have those friends in my life. In fact, three of them I get to do church with here at Anthem Church. That is so cool. I can go to them at any time when I have doubts, when I have troubles, when I have questions, or when I just need prayer. I can go to them and just ask for their help. We all need Christian brothers and sisters. We need to surround ourselves with them because they give us direction sometimes. Proverbs 27, 17 says it this. It says, iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Do we have those type of friends? We need good Christian mentors in our lives. It's important that we have them because sometimes we don't know how God is speaking to us, but they might help give us clarity on what he's trying to communicate to us. The fourth thing that I, I was able to, to take away from this account with Samuel is that when God speaks, we are to respond submissively. It says in verse 10, it says, The Lord came and stood, calling as the other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant hears. You know, we are all called to be in service for the Lord at any time, at any place, towards anyone. That's, that's simply what he has spoken to us to do. And it's because of that, that fact right there, that we begin to second-guess him. Just think about this. I, I'll give you an example from this past week. Um, God... God speaks to us and tells us to do a lot of things, like when I get nominated to, to preach on a certain Sunday, I don't really get to have any thought into that because God, the Lord speaks through Pastor Rick, and then Rick just tells me. But, but, we know, but he knows the timetable of everything that's happened. And, and let me tell you, this week was about one of the most stressful weeks that I have ever encountered, all right? Um, I'll give it to you like this. When I do get up here and, and teach these things, I am not a fluid writer. I, I can't just put, I, like, I have thoughts, and I put a thought here, and I put a thought there, and put a thought there. And then to, to, to bring it into something like this, I'm having to put a jigsaw puzzle together because I'm just, I'm scatterbrained when it comes to that kind of stuff. And it takes me a long time to get all those thoughts grouped into something that's cohesive that you guys can understand, all right? And I'm Hopefully you guys are understanding it. If don't, don't tell me. All right, I got a thumbs up. <laughs> so it takes me a lot of times, but not only that, you know, I, I have a full-time job, and, and this week was like, you know, I know my mom tried to say, go, go work. I just couldn't get my, my mind wrapped around sitting down and, and working on this stuff. So not only do I have those long days, but I also had the, that long, you know, that long time of preparing at night, um, and just to, to throw on top of that, I mean, I love college football. <laughs> and this was opening week of college football. You throw all of those things together, and man, I, 
I just wanted somebody to just hand it to and say, be done with it. Like, you know, just hand it to me, wrap it in a bow, and say, hey, go teach on this. And, and not that, not that the, I mean, yes, this part is, is, is kind of over. But now, tomorrow, you know, I've been commissioned to, to, to create a bacon booth that we're going to be selling bacon at, our, at the Crate Myrtle Festival. And, you know, I didn't have any time this past week. I really couldn't have squeezed it in at, at all this past week. And, you know, there's probably more that are going to be coming down my way. And the thing is, is when you think about it, you know, I, I, I simply had to, to proclaim to God, I said, Lord, this is too much. This, this is a lot. You know, going into this work, going into this week, it was just a lot. It was, I mean... I probably didn't, I probably spoke that to my wife several times. Um, and the thing is, is as you're hearing this, it sounds like I'm complaining. And maybe there is that part of me that, that is that I'm complaining. But going back to what we're supposed to, to do is we're supposed to respond submissively. Meaning we're supposed to respond, you know, uh, willfully as a humble obedient. Because even through this week, I still got to watch three football games yesterday, all right? One thing I was probably the most worried about, but I got to, I got to be able to do that. And God just assured me of his promise. He said in Philippians 4.13, you probably all know it, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So even though that this one week was just one of those hard weeks, and we're all going to have those, God even gives us strength. And, and getting back to that submissiveness, that is the hardest thing to learn in the human vocabulary, all right? Because it means I give up control. It means I don't have the rights over myself. I'm actually giving control over to the Lord. I'm giving him the rights to tell me what I need to do, and I have to respond. I, I need to respond to, to what, he, what he tells me to do. And that's my hope is that maybe I, I failed a little bit this week, but the next time some challenges come up, I'm going to say, speak for your servant hears. And I, I really do. I hope that that's all of our responses. Maybe you're not there yet, and that's okay. The Lord is continuing. He's going to continue to speak to you until you build up, until you have a week like I just had. And even then, you'll be able to say, praise God. Because if he can get me through that, then <laughs> I ain't worried about next week, right? So there you have it. Four principles to, to help us when God is, is speaking to us. And I'll recap them. Be in a good place. Be near to God. Know that we have good news because God continuously pursues us. Number three, he he sends us people to give us good advice. Have that trusted mentor in your life. And then number four, give a good response. Be a humble servant when he calls us to do something. One of the biggest questions that, that people really wrestle with is this, is that how do I know that you know, God is talking to me? I don't hear a voice like he did with Samuel back then. God has not spoken to me audibly, like, Lord. I, actually, I'm, I'm in the wrong ways, but, you know, I'm, 
I should not say that, but the Lord doesn't come down and say, Justin, do this. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't speak to me like that. But just know this. God has the power and the permission to speak to us anytime, any way, through anyone. Just like he did with Moses in the burning bush or simply talking through a donkey. He can do it, but he makes it simple for us. He talks to us through his word. Hebrews, um, the first chapter of Hebrews, I said, Long ago, many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. God speaks direction into our lives through Jesus. The very words that he spoke to his disciples are those same very words that are being spoken to us. Take those four principles that I just went over. Think about it like this. When we are walking with Jesus, when we, he is near us, and we're listening, he tells us a commission. He, he commissions us as Christians. He says, go and love others more than yourselves. That's something you just do. He gives us hope, and we're in turn supposed to pass that hope and that truth on to somebody else. He has probably put you in the very place in your workplace because of the fact of what you know about him, and he surrounded you with those group of people because he wants you to speak into them. Did you ever think about that? We can't help but listen to him. His words are absolute truth. What about the second principle? Just like me, when you get off track, and there might be some of you right now that you're off track. You're, you're, not, you're not pointing in the same direction as the Lord, and that's fine. But know that he, he wants you. He wants you to be on track with him. He, he is personally trying to bring you back into the right place that you need to be. He wants that per, uh, personal relationship with us. Just like, think about the parable of, of, the, sh of the sheep, all right? Um, I think it's in Matthew, that Jesus was the shepherd that brought even the one sheep back into the fold. He cares about each and every one of us in here. And he is pursuing us all the day long and all the day strong. And the third principle um, is, think about it this way. When he puts good people, or when not just puts good people, but when he puts godly people into your life, think, I think about it like this. He has uniquely knit this group of people right here in this place together, in this local body of church. He put a body of believers together. And why are we together? Well, we communicate God's word to each other. We build each other up. And then we are sent out to be the hands and feet of Jesus, just like we're doing next week in the, the Crepe Myrtle Festival. But even better than all of that, when we have a personal relationship with Jesus, He's the best personal mentor we have. And then with our last principle, um, it's our response to Jesus to just say, here I am. And that's, that's always the one that we get hung up on. That's, I can do all of those things, Lord, but, you know, don't ask me, don't put me into, you know, those babies. 
Justin, your daughter's in there. I don't want to be in there with her. She's not a crybaby. Actually, I think she's a good child. But anyways, we always just get hung up on, hey, he's calling me to be a servant. Why should I lay down everything that I've worked for in my life or doing, you know, in this way, the, the things that I've built up or the lifestyle that I'm living? Why should I give all of that up for you, Jesus? Because it's taken me a hard time to get that, uh, to get that boat. And I really love that boat. I can say that because I had a boat. I really liked the boat. But why do I give all of those things up, seriously? And the answer is simply. It's simple. It's because what he has done for us. And I'm going to use scripture to qualify my answer. And it's, and it's out of Romans chapter 5. It says, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, Though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. We are marred with sin the moment we enter into this world. And we stray from God when we are left alone to do whatever we want to do. Our only chance, our only hope, is to actually have a Savior. And the reason is because God demands that sin be dealt with. And we are all sinful creatures. So Jesus did the only thing that could save us. He gladly took our place on top of that cross. Jesus allowed the wrath of God that he has and that will pour out any, and that God has wrath set aside for sin and Jesus allowed himself to have it all poured out on him. He took our place. But death didn't hold him down. He rose and he lives again today and he asked us to simply follow him. That's why I can confidently stand up here and proclaim Jesus as not only my Savior, but also my Lord. I am his servant. He has given it all for me, so I should be willing to lay it all down for him. As he speaks more and more, we should delight in being his servants. We should approach him with open hands. Let's pray. Lord God, we just thank you for even your, your word in Samuel. Thank you for the vision that you have given us uh, here at Anthem to just be your hands and feet. Lord, we want to hear from you today. We need to hear from you today. But not only just to hear from you today, Lord, we need to respond to you. Uh, Lord, I didn't go over this, but in, in the verse in Samuel, it was, it was a seven, it says, Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. And the word of the Lord had not been revealed to him. Lord, if that is the case for any person um, in this room, Lord, reveal yourself to them. Let them know, the, let them know you to be their, your, the, the Lord and Savior of their life. And for those of us that, you know, that we have already committed our, our lives to you, Lord, I just pray. Um, 
Open up our ears. We humbly come to you as servants and say, here I am, Lord. Do with me what you please. We ask this today in your son's glorious and heavenly name. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.